0: Hello, my name is Julia Streets and welcome to Diversity Podcast, talking about diversity and inclusion in financial services. In each episode, we seek to shine a light on successful progress, call out areas requiring further focus and offer practical ideas to help drive change. And today's panel is entitled Ethnicity in Diversity, where we will be exploring the incredibly important topic of race. I'm joined by three panellists, a global head of diversity and inclusion for a leading investment bank, a financial services lawyer and founder of Diversity and Leadership Foundation, and a senior operations executive responsible for her own line of business. Birgit New is the global head of diversity and inclusion at HSBC, responsible for establishing and driving many initiatives across the bank and the industry, including the Balance Network in a drive to align men and women in their efforts for greater diversity. Miranda Braun is an investment banker and a barrister, having been one of the first black women on the trading floor in the 1990s, and she will be speaking later, so do stay for her session. And she's also founder of her own Diversity Leadership Foundation. And finally, Pamela Jones is an operational change and integration manager at TPICAP with over 15 years of management experience and has worked in some of the world's largest investment banks in London and New York. Her mentorship includes her work as part of Women in Listed Derivatives and she is a brand ambassador for Dress for Success. To, to the audience here, at the Women of the Square Mile conference in February 2018, where we are recording this episode, I'd invite you to welcome our panelists today.
1: Thank you very, much. Very,
0: very well, welcome to you all. Thank you for being very well. Welcome to you all. Thank you for being part of this, uh, this podcast today. So we do need to talk about race, and I'm going to start, Miranda, with you, uh, if I may, uh, because we, we've talked a lot about this and, and the, the data around ethnic representation in financial services is shockingly bad. Why don't you walk us through some numbers and then we'll take it from there.
2: Well, I I think in in terms of Finance and the actual numbers, we aren't seeing enough women of colour in the boardroom. You don't even need to look at statistics and data. There aren't enough women in the boardroom. There aren't enough women in senior management. So I started, I'm, I'm not, I I'm, um, started in the 1990s when I was the only person of colour on the trading floor at that time. There were a few women but the only person of colour apart from a few Asian IT men and so I think you just need to look around, you don't even need to look at statistics if you look around in your organisation, if you look around at your teams, if you look around who is in charge who is in the senior management positions the data will speak for itself but open your eyes and it's, it's really obvious in terms of where we're lacking the race diversity and race, I'm so pleased we're having this conversation because it's a very important conversation to have and I think having the discussion around race, it really does impact not only the workplace, but it impacts social, political, your personal lives as well and it's really important to have these conversations to benefit not only the workplace but also society overall in the 21st century.
0: And I'm keen to kind of get a benchmark if you like, so can you share some data at the moment about kind of where where the industry is today? So,
2: if, if if you look at, I mean, I don't have the exact numbers, you know, in terms of finance, but if if you look at FTSE 100, for example, and you look at those type of organisations, when you look at the, the number of women that are, are in senior management levels, they're, they're reducing year after year, it's, it's getting lower and lower, it's not increasing. If you look at black Asians or minority ethnics, and I hate the expression BAM, but if you look at BAM as well, not only within the finance industry, but within the square mile, when you have law firms and you have other organisations, we're just not seeing the race diversity statistics.
0: And the ultimately, and this is this is the point that I made in, in the City AM article that I wrote this morning, was ultimately what is going to drive change is business performance. You know, the city is not an altruistic place to be yes. naturally. There's very good initiatives, but naturally. It is about business performance that will drive change. And and I'd like to turn really to Pamela because, you know, with your years of experience on the operational side and the business side of things, you know, what are the compelling business benefits of addressing and really thinking about ethnic diversity?
1: I mean,. I've been in the city for over 25 years. I mean, if I'm brutally honest, first of all, I, I find diversity and inclusion problematic in its language because inclusion then infers that there is an exclusion. And more importantly, inclusion seems like someday, one day. It's too far off in the, in, in the, in the uh, future. So for me, I find that quite, quite you know, problematic. Further to that, I would prefer that we language this better and we say equalities, equalities across the board. And that's all races, LGBT, age, religion, the whole gambit. Um, in my personal opinion, the business benefits are clear as day. And what's, what is not happening is that there are people who are not occupying spaces of influence that can make that culture change. Those people are still very much male, very much pale, they hire in their own image, so therefore they are excluding this whole wide pool of absolute great talent out there that they will never find because they are going to the same well to get those people, that talent pool. And I feel like it's time for a change. the, the lady before me whose name escapes me at the moment talked about trillions of dollars worth of uh, business potential that we are not getting in by just bringing in women so can you imagine around take that number and then you know disseminate that to all different cultures races people so for me the business benefits speak for themselves and and, and
0: Driving that change uh, there's clearly a role for um, diversity inclusion and bigger. I I look at you at this point to think about your global Your global job and and some of the initiatives you've been doing there Um, I'm very keen to get into some examples of best practice and good practice and where corporates are have embraced and are driving change
3: I think it's You know, it it became clear to me when I started looking just at at gender around the city, you know, round about the time when Helena was kicking off with the 30% Club, and, and I remember looking at just the gender initiatives and thinking, Gosh, it's an awful lot of white women that all have the same background. It was a really homogenous crowd of people that were working on trying to drive change, and and it was again to Miranda's point, really obvious to see that there weren't a lot of other voices that were represented around the room. Now, you know, here we still are. We're still facing all those challenges with gender. All those problems aren't solved, um, and you know, there's increasing interest. Uh, not just from individuals working at all of our firms, but also from investors, from regulators, from customers around what we're doing around other forms of diversity. And, uh, you know, and, and ethnicity is kind of the next one that's coming up the curve, but there's been very much this kind of one strand at a time approach, and we just can't operate that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think you know, we need to recognize that, that the different forms of diversity have different challenges and opportunities that come with them. And, you know, language is such an important thing in how we talk about them. I think there's been a lot of discussion so far around the city on the BAME agenda. I mean, even within things like the Parker Review, lots of discussion within that. For anybody who hasn't read it, uh, the Parker Review is the review looking um, at ethnicity on boards. A really important piece of reading there for everybody because the numbers are still woeful. I think it's at about 2% for for UK citizens um, from an ethnic background on boards. but, you know, language is something that we can't actually all agree on because BAME in and of itself just captures such a wide variety of backgrounds, um, and, you know, and looking at all the other strands of diversity beyond that, the problem gets more and more complicated, but I think, you know, just focusing on the, the BAME piece, you know, language is important, stories is, under, is important, and it's also to make sure that we are getting the lived experiences. I mean, I very clearly am not from an ethnic background, but hearing the stories and understanding from those people who are connecting with the networks, connecting with the talent that are coming from different backgrounds to understand what is it that they're actually running into in our organizational cultures, and where do we need to put those interventions into place? Are they, you know, where in the pipeline are there challenges? Is it recruitment? Is it with, you know, the hiring that we do more broadly? Is it in terms of the pipeline and promotions? So, you know, there's no one answer, I think it's really important to look all the way through the employee life cycle and then also start thinking more importantly about customers because how are we actually deploying that diversity that we've got?
0: And one of the things that's very practical, uh, we, one of our guests on the podcast series was a guy called Andy Woodfield, who's from PwC. And he has a very good, I think, Randy, you've been on it. Yes. He has a very good YouTube um, series called Color Brave. Hashtag color brave. and it is actually addressing that whole question about language and, and actually beginning to show some insights into people's experience and people's career journeys. And and just just taking a little bit of a leap aside, in my world of fintech, where you look at innovation, when you drive change and you want to innovate through technology, you put different brains... And different skills around a central challenge, and you try and create it, test it, break it, move on as quickly as you possibly can. And I think that's one of the most compelling reasons for diversity, is looking at. Uh, everybody shared, uh, individual and also shared experiences in order to be able to drive change and reflect, um, reflect uh, not only customers, but it's very interesting hearing somebody talk about investors, investor appetite for change as well, which, which is fantastic. So which are the uh, initiatives which are really accelerating change and where do we need to focus more in the short term?
2: I think Deutsche Bank recently, they've just announced, and they're the first FTSE 100 organisation to actually set a target where they want to increase the number of senior management from a black, Asian, or minority ethnic background to 8%. It's coming at 5.3%. And I think this is a really important step in terms of achieving true diversity. There's also another organization called Tesla, which is an automaker, and they've also recently hired a black female to join the board. And so I think it's having examples like this not only within this country, but I think the States is also miles ahead in terms of where we should be when we look at race diversity, so I think it's also looking at other countries and other industries, not just within the square mile, when we look at the tech sector as well to see what lessons are being learned and how can we speed up the process in order for us to retrieve true race diversity.
0: And and so the the, the power of role modelling, if you like, is incredibly important, about to look on stages and see representations of incredibly successful people. And I hear a lot of people say, it's almost this expectation of going, well, middle management, it's an implication that middle management is as far as you could possibly aspire to achieve, but that's just (coughs) nonsense in in, in my mind. But I think that also goes down into, it's a point that, that does come out a lot in discussion, about the pipeline. And are we seeing that talent come through? And uh, Pamela, I'm interested in your thoughts about where do we find the skills? And yeah, you, you mentioned that in your opening comments. Yeah,
1: sure. I think that historically, as I said, we tend to have gone to the red brick universities, where there is all there's already uh, underrepresentation of black and ethnic minorities going into those red brick universities. A lot of them feel disenfranchised. They don't do. They don't feel they'll have a fruitful experience. Um, but what I've seen change is that uh, we are now looking at different spaces and pools of talent. So we're going to academies, we're going to um, inner schools, inner London schools, to look for pools of talent that we can actually bring in and actually fast track their um, career progression. So I think that's really good. I think It's been slow, I have to be honest, it's been slow. But I do think that once we start to bring in different peoples from different socioeconomic backgrounds, then we start to become culture changers. And what I would like for my daughter or granddaughter is to actually look when she gets into a corporate to see herself reflected in middle management, in senior management, and on the board. So somehow, right there, she can see steps to progression. Right now, that is not available to women of colour.
0: And and coming from a uh, a sort of... Oh, sorry, I should say,
1: sorry. it's It's not available. It is not afforded to us. I should make that point. Sorry. Thank you. And would anyone like to respond to that? I Can think I that's just great.
2: Add, so the reason why I launched the, the Miranda Braun Diversity Leadership Foundation over two years ago was because I was very frustrated at the lack of action around race diversity. It was at a time when race was the elephant in the room, people weren't talking about race, and I was getting bombarded by the next generation of black, Asians, and minority ethnics asking for work experience mentoring. Mm-hmm. And I realised that there's a massive gap and they've got the ambitions; they really want to achieve the positions that we're all in today. But they don't have the networks. They don't. They don't know how to do it. And that's why I launched the Diversity um, Foundation. And I think it's so important to close that gap. I get hundreds of applications from. From the next generation, ranging from Oxford and Cambridge down to, you know, East London University. And I think it's really important if we are looking to close the diversity gap, it's not just about the the physical aspects, whether you're female, whether you're, you know, black, Asian, or, or minority ethnic, it's also down to the background, the experience. And one of the things that I'm doing is actually looking at working class white and black, uh, white um, females and also males as well. So I think there's also a class element. Mm-hmm. And I just want to quickly add, with the, recently, I think over the last two days, there was a BBC presenter who said, you know, everyone's talking about race at the moment, but there's a class issue as well. And class isn't being addressed. Class is considered under the social mobility aspect, and there are lots of organisations working towards that, for example, Prime, that works on the legal side, and it's chaired by Hogan Levels, Nicholas Cheffins, who is the global chair of Hogan Levels. But I think one of the key things that we need to do is when we we discuss race, it affects gender, it affects social mobility, it affects LGBT, it affects so many different diversity strands, And when I have conversations with senior management who are typically white males, the conversations I have or that they tell me is, well, we really need to focus on gender. And that's what I was hearing two years ago, and that's why I launched the foundation. I think through having conversations like this, it's the positive first step to closing that gap. But now we need to work towards the action as well. What type of things can we be doing? There's employee referrals. People say to me, but I just don't know where the talent is. We need to change where, where they're looking and give the referrals, introduce them to so many organisations that are looking, like Green Park did a report last August. Green Park is an organisation that's looking to diversify the workforce. There are so many initiatives out there, and it's through having contacts like the panellists here tonight or today where we can actually help to make those introductions and close that gap.
0: And, and I'll turn to bigger than that, because you were saying that in your opening comments, about how the world has been very much seen through silos. And, and where, do you, where do you see the opportunities to blend and actually learn from each other? And where do you see the barriers still sitting?
3: Um, I, I think there's more and more opportunity, and, and as has already been referenced. There are more organizations coming in across the city to look at, because there are quite a few now on the gender side around organizations sharing best practice. There's more momentum now starting to come in around race so that people can find out exactly what are the sorts of things that they should be doing. And also, you know, look across because some things might work in some organizations, the problems might look slightly different by the type of organization. So there's not gonna be a one-size-fits-all approach, especially because ethnicity and race does have the added complexities of, you know, the kind of interweaving themes around religion as well as, you know, culture, um, socioeconomic background. So it's, it's it's a more challenging one to unpick. Um, But I think, you know, we come back to data is important um, and, you know, not only the kind of HR data around characteristics, we also look at employee surveys, some of my other HSBC colleagues have already mentioned, to understand, again, what are people experiencing in the workplace? Um, You know, where should those interventions go into place? Do we need to look at, just like we've done with gender, lots of discussions around sponsorship and how sponsorship can help pull individuals up? So how are we pulling up? You know, if we do manage to get the talent in and we're finding it from different sources, how are we pulling it through the organization? Um, And also things like reverse mentoring to help even just raise awareness of what are the BAME-specific issues so that senior leadership teams actually understand you know what is the challenge, and don't just go, well, you know we can 't necessarily see the data it's really complicated, so we're just going to leave this one to the side Tyler, did you want of, yes, it?
1: definitely around data um i've got to say right that Uh, who is collating the data? Who is marking the homework? Who is actually going out to people within these spaces that have lived experiences and collating that data? I know from my own personal experience that when people leave who look like me from a corporate, It's layered. It's never just because of one thing. It will be because of many things. And they're not going to sit there in an exit interview and sabotage themselves by actually saying, actually, it was because Joe said X, Y, Z, and blah, blah, blah. They're not going to do that. So I feel like the data, whilst it's absolutely imperative we have something, that too, to me, feels a little bit wishy-washy, because we're not really getting to the lived experiences of the people in the corporates. And I feel like someone needs to do the homework properly to really get that and start placing people in positions of influence to start that culture change.
2: Thank you. Can I just add, so
1: in terms of data, we've got the McGregor-Smith
2: review that came out last year, and that highlighted that if we increased race diversity within the workforce, we would add £24 billion pounds to, the, to the UK economy. That's massive. McKenzie did a report three years ago in 2015. It highlighted gender diversity it will increase the workplace effectiveness by 50%. R- put race diversity into the mix and that will increase the workplace effectiveness by 35%. We've mentioned the 30% club. Mm-hmm. I think that was for gender diversity. We need to apply the same thing to race. Yeah. I think that's what we need to do. Yeah. We need to have a target in place. I know Lloyds Bank is a perfect example where they said they want to increase their BAM senior management by 2020, I think by 10% at the moment, it's around the 8% mark. But I think it's having those types of um, targets and data to help. But I want to say one last thing because I know that we're approaching very keen to open up to the audience end. as well. So, yes. uh, so. but what I do want to say is that the data backs everything up. There's only so many reports that we can have published year after year. At the end of the day, look around. You don't even need to wait for someone from a black, Asian, minority, ethnic background to leave to find out why they're leaving. When I was at J.P. Morgan many years ago, there were black associates who were in their 40s that had been in the bank for so many years, and I was chair of their black networking group, and they had not progressed. So sometimes you need to look and think, if we've got a particular person of colour, in an organization or a female in an organization or a person from LGBT in an organization and they have not progressed. They've stayed at the same level for five, 10 years and we've done nothing with them, that's also something that we need to start thinking about and applying into the workplace. And
1: I have had a similar experience to you where I've been the only woman on the dealing floor, an only black woman on the Mm. dealing floor in the 90s as well, Miranda. And I was too invited onto the networking diversity board and nothing changed, nothing. And I was at that bank for 15 years. I, I, I had peers who were promoted above me. I had people come in above me. Um, it took years for me to get sponsorship. These are the lived experiences of people in some corporates. And I think we need to start having a conversation about this. It's, it's, it, this is our experience. I'm going to have to jump in. Now, Miranda,
0: I know you're speaking next. So I I, I'm going to, my I was going to say, I'm sure you have. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm going to ask you if we could just take some of your time in your next session so that we can open up to yes. the audience who have yes. been yes. listening in. Please, I, I'm sure there's a show of hands here. <laughs> Uh, there you go, there you go. It's, it's always a negotiation. Life is always a negotiation. Uh, so uh, we, have a, uh, we have a square ball or something that gets thrown around. For listeners to the podcast, that sounds weird. But uh, it's actually one of these microphones. Here we are. It's uh, front row. So if we could... Great. <laughs> Thank you. The first female you. The first female. As you'll hear, the conference floor microphones make it a little hard to pick up the questions. So at the risk of inadequately paraphrasing... The question acknowledged the challenges of financial services sector and the responsibility on the BAME community to support each other in driving change and invited comments from the panel.
1: Pamela, would you like to respond? I would like to respond to that. And I would say you are absolutely right. We should be bringing people along with us and we should have good sponsors. And a lot of people struggle to find good sponsors. We, by nature, put our heads down and we work and we work hard and we think suddenly a light is going to shine on us and they will know that you are a great person and you're so productive. But you have to go into the workforce Workplace and find a sponsor, and even that can be somewhat challenging. To let someone um, actually sponsor you, so that you can move through that career journey, and I feel that I- I'm totally with you, and I accept that, and I love bringing people with me.
0: I'd like to take one, one more question. I think we had a question on the fourth row right back there. But if you'd like to just pass the the mic over, actually, if you would. Thank you. Thanks. So we have been a lot of- the second question acknowledged that the audience was largely made up of white men and women. So the panel was asked for practical guidance on what the audience could take back to their financial institutions. Thank you very much. Uh, So what I'm gonna allow you literally sort of 10 seconds each to come up with one idea
2: each. Miranda's itching to get in there, so speak up. What quick example, I was on the trading floor, sales trading at a very large global investment bank, looked around, I'm the only one in 2008 of color. I said to my boss, do you realize that we have no people of color in a revenue generation role? He didn't realize. Sometimes you need to mention it, not in an aggressive, you know, fight the power, Malcolm X way, but just in a, have you noticed, you know, look around, and he was like, I didn't realize. Within six months, we had two African traders on the equity side, so sometimes it doesn't have to be, oh, my God, what plan, what strategy are we going to do? It can just be talking to your immediate manager or your global head and just having those type of discussions.
3: Big um, I think a quick one that I'll, I'll steal from uh, the author, uh, Margaret Heffernan, who some of you might be aware of, has written amazing stuff on D&I, but she just talks about just sponsor somebody who looks different from you, right? If we yeah. get everybody doing that, things yeah. will move a lot faster.
1: Yeah. I think if we want to reflect in our workplace where we live and where we work, which is London, we've got a long way to go, and we need to get people in certain spaces to make that happen.
0: Perfect. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, that concludes the podcast. I would like to uh, thank our panel and also thank our audience today. A round of applause for our panellists. Thank you.
3: This episode of Diversity Podcast was produced by me, Kieran Yates, on behalf of Julia Streets Productions. You can find out more about the guests on this week's show on our website diversitypodcast.com and that's diversity with a C, not an S. Whilst you're there, you can also sign up to our newsletter for all our latest updates. To be sure of catching all our future podcasts, subscribe to our feed in iTunes or your favourite podcast app. And if you've enjoyed this episode of Diversity, remember to give us a rating or review in iTunes. It all helps promote the show to a wider audience. Finally, our Twitter handle is at DiversityPod. Thanks for listening.